Hey guys, welcome back to SoundHub, your weekly tech and audio news podcast. Sorry about the delay for this episode, uh, but let's get on with it. Like I said in episode two, I am still seeking a direction for this podcast, but I really liked how the last episode turned out, and I received lots of good feedback from you guys about it. So for the time being, I will continue the SoundHub series of helping you make good decisions in electronics. If my last episode prevented just one of you from walking out of the store with a crappy TV, then I will consider it a job well done. For this episode, I will build upon the last episode, and we will assume that you now own a kick-ass TV. You get it home, calibrate it, get it looking really good, and you're happy until you realize that it sounds crappier than Comcast's hold music. Um, Also, you may find that the smart part of your brand new smart TV seems confusing and hard to navigate. Well, good news. I'll be tackling both of those topics on this episode of SoundHub. I'm your host, Drew Pearson, and let's get going. Let's deal with the crappy sound first. Uh, There are a few ways to solve this. I will begin with the most affordable options and then delve into the truly great audio territory. Your most affordable and easy option for improving your TV sound quality will be a soundbar. You will see various price points for these and like most things in life you get what you pay for. Let's start with the brands you should avoid. Samsung, LG, Vizio, and Bose with caveats. Samsung, LG, and Vizio are very recognizable brand names. They are probably on your refrigerator or stove or TV right now. But their audio products leave a lot to be desired. Yes, they're affordable, but they are mostly made out of plastic that resonates and use cheap paper speakers that distort when you turn the volume up. They aren't really worth it, even with the affordable price tag. Now, there is something that is quite divisive in the audio world, and that something is Bose. In their current form, They are more of a marketing behemoth that is resting on their founder's laurels and less a respected audio brand. It wasn't always this way, however. I'll give you a quick history lesson about Bose. Amar Bose earned a doctorate in electrical engineering from MIT in 1956, and he founded the Bose Corporation shortly thereafter. He used mathematics to help engineer speakers such as the legendary 901, in 1968 that used both direct and reflected sound to simulate the acoustics of being at a live concert. It looked and sounded unlike any other speaker on the market at the time. Later, he would expand his focus and begin working on noise-canceling technology, which explains why you see their headphones at airports around the world. Dr. Bose made quite a few innovations and breakthroughs in his time But the Bose brand is not well liked by the audiophile community. And the reasons for this animosity are that they charge a lot of money for cheaply made products and they use a lot of sound processing to trick your ears into thinking they are hearing all of the frequencies. 
from small, cheaply made speakers. Now hear me out. All Bluetooth speakers now are using these same tricks to produce a seemingly full sound out of tiny speakers. But physics is physics. There is a reason that quality speakers are large and divide the frequencies amongst multiple speakers. A tweeter, which produces the high frequencies, needs to vibrate up to 20,000 times per second. These are small and made of metal usually for this reason. A woofer, on the other hand, is there to produce the lower frequencies, and speaker size and design have a great effect on how these perform. Audiophiles don't like their ears to be tricked. We like to hear all of the frequencies equally represented as the sound engineer and the artist desired. This is why we don't like Bose. We are willing to sacrifice the space and money needed to have a big system that accurately represents all frequencies. You simply cannot achieve that with a small speaker. Not that there is anything wrong with purchasing these small speakers. They are convenient and wireless. You're just not getting all of the sound in the music. But please do not pay a premium for the Bose brand. I have personally torn apart their speakers and they are very cheaply made. They simply don't cost much to produce. To put it simply, when you buy Bose speakers, you are paying Cadillac prices for a Kia. And that's not very prudent. I will say that their noise canceling is very good. Uh, as a pilot, I've been able to experience this firsthand, and it is indeed very good. The research started by Dr. Bose is best put to use here. So if you buy one product from this company, it should probably be their noise canceling headphones. <sighs> I'm glad I got that out of my system. Making an audio and tech podcast, that brand would have to be brought up eventually. So, there you go. <laughs> okay, now we can get back to improving the sound quality of your TV. As I said, your most affordable option will be a soundbar with or without an accompanying subwoofer. I would recommend the ones with the subwoofer. Going back to physics, the small speakers in the soundbar will not be able to produce the bass needed to have an impactful home theater sound, which most people crave. Brands you should include in your soundbar search are, and this is not all-inclusive, uh, they are just the most readily available uh, to most people. Klipsch, JBL, Infinity, Yamaha, Martin Logan, Sonos, Bowers and Wilkins, Revel, and even Sony makes some good soundbars. Uh, this, like most speakers, is a category where you actually get what you pay for. The higher end soundbars will have higher quality speakers and materials, include a more powerful wireless subwoofer, and may even be compatible with Dolby Atmos sound. Dolby Atmos is a newer specification that uses speakers pointed towards your ceiling to produce a more enveloping surround sound effect. Newer Blu-rays and 4K Blu-rays usually are capable of this effect. Check it out if you're able to at a local store or friend's house to decide if you want to splurge for this feature. 
Otherwise, if you pick up a soundbar within your price range from any of the aforementioned brands, you will markedly improve your movie and TV watching versus just listening through the TV's internal speakers. If you have the room and budget for a more serious home theater system, you can skip the soundbars and pick up a home theater receiver, some speaker wire, and invest in some quality speakers. Spend the bulk of your budget into the speakers. Speakers should far outlast any electronics in your system, and they are most responsible for the quality of sound your ears receive. Some speaker brands that I personally, personally like and feel are worth your hard-earned money include Dyn Audio, Bowers & Wilkins, Revel, Infinity, Paradigm, a Canadian company, Golden Ear, ELAC, Martin Logan, JBL, and even Dayton Audio. If you search those brands, they cover every price bracket and they represent a good value. Find a brand that you can form a 5 or 7, or more in the case of Atmos, surround system from, and then pick up a decent subwoofer you should aim for a 10 inch or larger woofer size. It used to be that 12 inches was considered top of the line in subwoofers, but you can buy 15 and 18 inch subwoofers now, and that will definitely shake your couch um, while watching movies. Subwoofer brands that make an excellent product at a fair price include SVS, Sue Research, that's spelled H-S-U, Klipsch, or PowerSound Audio. You may not have heard of the brands besides Klipsch because they are internet direct manufacturers and skip the typical dealer and distribution middlemen to deliver some better value. Okay, so now you have much better sound to go with the TV you purchase after listening to the last episode of SoundHub but you may be a millennial or anyone really who is sick and tired of being gouged by cable TV prices. They always seem to go up. The trendy thing that people are doing now is cutting the cord, which is a term you may have heard in the media. This simply means that you get your entertainment from apps like Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, uh, Hulu, or countless others, instead of relying on a cable box and a traditional cable subscription. You can form your own little streaming utopia as long as you have the internet nowadays. But what is the best way to get these apps playing on your new TV? I'm here to help you figure this out. There are numerous streaming devices available to help you get your preferred apps playing on your TV. As with everything, there are pros and cons to each one, and it can be confusing. I will talk about the four major streaming platforms these are Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Chromecast. Apple TV is of course made by Apple, and it's great if you're in the Apple ecosystem and prefer to rent or purchase your movies from iTunes. The Apple TV fully supports 4K resolution and has a nice, clean interface. In addition to iTunes movies and shows, it fully allows Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, that's a recent addition, 
and numerous other streaming apps. It also allows you to stream audio or video from your Apple devices via AirPlay. It is also the only streaming device that can act as a smart home hub that enables all of your smart devices to work together. If you want to use this as your smart home hub, just make sure that the light bulbs, door locks, etc. that you buy are Apple HomeKit compatible. The downside of the Apple TV is that it is priced a bit higher than most other streaming devices and you won't want to bother if your home is full of Android users. If you're an Apple user or family that primarily uses that platform, however, or you just want to kill two birds with one stone in, re in respect to starting a smart home, uh, you will probably love the Apple TV. Roku is another well-known streaming device manufacturer. They have numerous devices available to fit all budgets, and they have the widest selection of streaming apps. The big plus to Roku, and the reason I personally have them hooked up to my TVs, is that they are platform agnostic, meaning they don't push you towards a certain app uh, or live in an ecosystem the way that Apple, Amazon, and Google all do. Uh, they make their money by selling the devices themselves and by advertising on the Roku channel, their homemade app that offers completely free movies each month. And it's actually a decent channel. Also, Roku versions of apps seem to just be updated more often um, than the same app on other devices. That's just something to keep in mind. So if Netflix releases a new feature, um, Roku users will probably be the first ones to get to try it out. It's hard to find downsides for Roku. Really, it is. Uh, they offer multiple devices at all price points and even offer devices for older TVs that lack HDMI ports. So when you're staying with the grandparents, you can take a Roku with you to hook it up to their old tube TV. I've had Roku devices hooked up to my TV since they've been around, and I don't have anything but nice things to say about them. Um, I have I have no affiliation with them, and um, I don't take sponsorships. Uh, they just work well and are dead simple to set up and operate. And a cool extra that most people don't even know about. And this is great if you and your partner fall asleep at different times or have to wake up at different hours. The mid and higher end Rokus come with a remote that has a headphone jack built in uh, for private listening. It mutes the TV while allowing someone else to keep watching. It's a pretty cool feature that solves a real world problem. I like it. Amazon Fire devices are another popular option, and Amazon frequently slashes the prices on them. Unlike Roku, Amazon obviously has a vested interest in pointing you to Amazon Video as much as possible. If you're a loyal and steadfast Amazon Prime Video user and don't really use other apps to stream, then a Fire device will suit you perfectly well. However, if you subscribe to a lot of different apps like Netflix and Hulu, 
the layout and suggestions can become a bit annoying. To be fair, some people find Apple TVs to be annoying for the same reason. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you feel like watching a movie that Amazon doesn't offer for free through Prime, but Netflix does. If you search an Amazon or Apple device for that, their first suggestion may be offering you to rent the movie from them and offering the Netflix alternative lower on the list of search results. Most people are used to seeing their best search results up top, so they may inadvertently end up paying for a rental that could otherwise be found as part of another app they subscribe to. I'll conclude this section with the same caveats as the Apple TV. If you have many devices tied into the Amazon ecosystem and are a staunch Prime user, you'll probably be perfectly served by a Fire device. Um, I will never condone piracy on this program, but the Fire Stick is also popular for homebrew hackers for installing a program that streams torrents. I will just leave that sentence at that, um, and you take it for what, it, what it's worth. And last but not least, we have the Google option, which is called the Chromecast. It looks like a hockey puck that dangles from your HDMI port. And it's pretty popular amongst Android users with the limited budget. Chromecast offers two methods to stream content. The first uses mobile and web apps that support the Google Cast technology. It works similarly to Apple's AirPlay technology in that respect. The second method allows users to mirror what is playing in the Google Chrome browser running on a personal computer. It works great on apps that support it, but it's not quite as seamless as just having a native app already loaded on your streaming device and you have to keep your computer or mobile device running to control the Chromecast. The other devices I previously talked about come with a dedicated remote. Um, like the Apple TV and Amazon devices, if you are fully invested in the Google ecosystem and do not mind relying on your computer or mobile devices to feed the content to the TV, this might be your device of choice. The one thing to keep in mind while discussing streaming devices is that you need to have a somewhat speedy and stable Wi-Fi internet setup, especially if you want to stream to multiple devices in different parts of your home. I'm planning on making a future episode to cover the current state of the router and modem markets, so hopefully I'll be able to help you with the otherwise mind-numbing task of picking a wireless router. The advice I usually give people is that you should be replacing your router about every three years or so. The improvements in speed and stability are worth it. You keep your cell phone updated for speed and stability, so don't ignore the other tech in your home. So if you find your home internet lacking, stay tuned for that episode. To wrap this episode up, here are my no-nonsense suggestions for improving the sound of your TV and getting a great streaming device. With speakers, soundbars, and subwoofers, you usually get what you pay for. If you want impressive sound, be prepared to spend some coin. However, even picking up an entry-level soundbar-subwoofer combo from a company like JBL, Klipsch, or Yamaha 
will be a huge improvement over the stock TV speakers. If you want to go all out, pick yourself up a home theater speaker system and a nice powerful receiver. That will help you simulate a movie theater at home. As for streaming devices, if you're wrapped up in a particular company's ecosystem, their own devices may suit you, but give them all a try if you can before you buy them. My personal recommendation is Roku, just because they don't streamline your experience to one app or company. Um, they treat all apps equally and the interface is so simple that anyone in your family can find what they are looking for. And there you have it. We have made it through another episode of SoundHub. Thank you guys for your suggestions and feedback. If you want me to hear your suggestions, you can email me at drew at soundhubpodcast.com. Please also leave a review on the iTunes and Google Play stores. It does help. Also, if you are enjoying SoundHub, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio. You can play me on your Echo device now using the AnyPod skill or your favorite podcast apps. Uh, You can also visit the website at soundhubpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week.